the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God can sort out the messes that you're going through. God can take a hopeless situation and infuse it with life and glory. And I feel like saying praise the Lord because I know it's true. And friend, why? Because the angel said, for with God, nothing will be impossible for you. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with a broadcast he entitles Magnificent Mary. That's Magnificent Mary, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. I knew it was like to have cardboard on my windows, to have an outhouse, and to know what it was like to sleep with my dog next to me because it was cold. So I know what it's like, and I've also know what it's like to have plenty. And I have in my heart a place for those who have nothing. I think the church ought to be a place where rich and poor, where people at different places can come and be a family and where needs can be met in the church and people who are poor can learn to provide and can learn to contribute. I really believe that. And for me, the church has been a place of salvation in that regard. But Mary came from a place of extreme poverty, a little street urchin from the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. No doubt Mary cried in the night, like many others did. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, I imagine they would say. Mary, Mary, that was their only way out of the problem. Maybe she could marry someone and find income or something to overcome the challenge. But Mary was destined to marry someone, maybe. Isaiah said, there shall be no gloom for her that was in anguish. No doubt he was thinking of Mary in part here. According to the prophet Isaiah, the land of Galilee would be a land where a very special child would grow up to be a very special prince. And according to the prophet Isaiah, he would have a mother who lived a life of anguish. It's implied in verse 6. Look what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Mary grew up in the land of Galilee without one shred of a chance of becoming a somebody. That is except for the chance that is found in the impossible promise of God's word. Luke one twenty seven. Luke tells us that Mary was a virgin. You know, we read it without a second thought today. Oh, Mary was a virgin. When I was a kid, I watched Star Wars a lot because I didn't know better. I don't today, and I don't recommend it. But, you know, they had this Luke Skywalker's dad being born of a virgin mother in that series. 
from what I understand, trying to mimic this. Supposedly the force had produced the father out of thin air or something. You see, there's something about this story that is so amazing that you can make millions of dollars on it if you recapture it and you put it into the Hollywood sphere today. But what's so amazing about it is it's the first time in history where it was so. The first Adam had no father and mother, was created out of the earth, but this one was connected to the old race and supernaturally connected to the new by the providence of God, a virgin birth. In Luke's gospel, he often provides details that would not have been obvious to the reader of his day. For a girl in Nazareth to grow up and remain a virgin was an achievement in and of itself. It was out of character with the place and the times. The Greek proponents of safe sex had made their mark on Palestine, and many a Jewish girl had become a notch on a Greek sailor's belt. And yet Mary had remained pure. She was different than the milieu around her. I'm sure many of her friends didn't bother to remind Mary that she was a virgin. So Luke says she was a virgin. Now, according to Luke, Mary was not only a virgin, she was also engaged. In the Greek, the word betrothed is a perfect passive participle. It indicates that Mary had been engaged for quite a while and she was still engaged. According to Jewish custom, the engagement would last about a year. Did anyone ever have an engagement about a year? I think ours was about a year. Anyone have an engagement for two years? Six months? Come on, I'm going to get a feel for it here. Six months engagement back there? He's about six months. How many of you had an engagement for two weeks? Anybody here? Month? Okay, one month engagement back there. So the spectrum can go from a month to a year or whatever. According to Jewish custom, the engagement would last about a year. The engagement was the first phase of the full marriage. In Jesus' day, a girl was usually married between 13 and 14 years of age. If you were engaged in those days, in principle, you were married. So you better not mess up after you get engaged. According to Jewish law, if a betrothed woman was found with another person's child, other than the person of betrothal, during this time she was sure to be stoned. Look at Deuteronomy 22:23. Here we have it. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall do what? What did it say? Stone them with stones. It's very emphatic. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, so you shall purge the evil from the midst of you. That's pretty harsh words. I mean, that's rough. I mean, I had to have that hanging over me if I was engaged. Pretty harsh words for a virgin who turns up pregnant. We believe the church is a place where people have made mistakes can come home and find grace, don't we? And we're not here to celebrate a person's failings. We want people to get over stuff, move on, and find God. But that was a pretty strict environment in the Old Testament times. That is why the words of Gabriel recorded in Luke 128 seem a little strange here. Look what it says. And Gabriel came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. On the surface, it's no favor at all for Mary to suddenly turn up pregnant at the hands of the Lord. Imagine her excuse to her in-laws here. Well, I was standing in my house. I saw a light. You know, it kind of like materialized right in front of my bed. Right there. Boom. And then I saw an angel. You know, with wings. The glow. White raiment. I can't remember. Well, maybe I can't remember if he had wings or not. But it was so bright. But he was an angel. And he called himself Gabriel. You know, the angel in the book of Daniel. Yeah, a prophetic angel. There he was in my room. Gabriel came in, not for lunch or tea, you see. He came in for something else. For me. He told me that God needed me in a very special way. You won't believe it, folks. Guess what? That kind of way 
kind of like Zeus, you know? And before you knew it, I was standing there and suddenly I was pregnant just like that. The Ruach Elohim, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was with child because of God. God did this. And then the predictable response in every Jewish town, maybe not Galilee because it was off the charts in terms of its morality, but who knows, they begin to pick up stones and say, tell us the story again, Mary. Not only would they have stoned her on the spot for adultery in certain places in Palestine, they would have stoned her also for blasphemy because of what she was claiming here. There's comedy in the air when the angel said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Greek language literally says, The Lord has been gracious to you, filled with favor from God, Mary, or you. Verse 29. It makes a lot of sense in the disturbing context of her predicament. Look what it says. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and consider in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Okay, what do you want from me? She's saying, all right, what do you want from me? The answer comes in verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And what does the angel say? You will call his name Jesus. The angel continues, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Me, pregnant now? No, I'm a teenager. I'm only 14. You call that favor from God? How can you conceive without a husband? I mean, imagine the questions going through Mary's mind as she was standing in the presence of this extraterrestrial who was making these statements to her. How can I conceive without a husband? How can I have a child? I'm betrothed, but how? How would I ever live it down if it were so? How would I face the crowds in life? Favored one. I don't know if that makes sense to me, Gabriel. Explain. In verse 34, Mary questions Gabriel. Mary said to the angel, how shall this be since I have no husband? Mary is thinking of two things. Number one, she has no right to a child except with Joseph after the marriage. Number two, it's impossible. Virgins are amoebas, and since they are amoebas, how on earth can this be? Within the difficult words of Gabriel, subtle words of hope and promise are found that are coming from God. And Mary latches onto those. Gabriel says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. The first time in her life, someone took the time right here to remind Mary that she was not a street urchin, that she was not just some nobody stuck up out there in the land of Galilee, that in her holy line, there was the signs of greatness still. Even though the booth of David had fallen, even though the monarchy had passed, there was still this connection to the past. And that connection to the past meant the great God who did things back then can do them again today. And she latched on to his father, David. Yes, I am of the line of David. Yes, I am a no one in many people eyes today, but I go back to someone who mattered and God heard David. God can hear me too. And for the first time in her life, someone insinuated that she was special in God's eyes. She discovers that she is a princess in God's eyes who can give birth to a king for God. At this point, the angel answers Mary's question with a lesson in spiritual biology. You know, I like God's biology better than human biology. According to human biologists, you can't get out of the ground on resurrection morning. Isn't that right? Can't do it. 
I could care less about human biology because the power of the pre-existent Christ will raise His people from the dead at the end of the age. And the same power was manifested in the incarnation, took the divinity of God, the Son of God, the pre-existent Son of God, and put it together with that which made the humanity of Christ, and thus the two natures became one. Distinct yet one in the sense, distinct natures, but one person, the Son of God. Dr. Luke is very careful to accurately record the angel's explanation, Luke one thirty-five, And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. Some people say, what's the difference between Jesus and us when we were born? Now take your Bibles and look at verse 35, are you? This child, from the very moment of its birth, was called holy. Now holy means without sin, doesn't it? It means separate. Correct? Now it can be set apart for service to God and so on. But in this context, he was set apart for God. You see, Christ was born totally in a relationship with God. We are not born that way. And so Christ, from the very get-go, did not have a severed relationship with God. Thus, he became the second Adam. Verse 36, And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, For with God, now I like this statement here, the angel's just being flat out honest. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You're saying, Pastor Mike, look, I'm struggling right now this Christmas with real issues on the ground. I'm struggling with how to make ends meet. I don't know whether I'll have a job next week or not. I'm struggling with family issues. I'm struggling with character flaws and, yes, sins in my life. And it's Christmas. And yet I tell you, based on what Gabriel said, God can deal with all of that in your life. God can sort out the messes that you are going through. God can take a hopeless situation and infuse it with life and glory. And I feel like saying praise the Lord because I know it's true. And friend, why? Because the angel said, for with God nothing will be impossible for you. There is a divine principle operative in Mary's encounter with the angel. Sometimes in life we find ourselves in circumstances that are humanly impossible to bear. And yet sometimes we can also see that God is in His power pulling it off anyway, making it happen. Now I'm staying in a church. It's a miracle we're here. I'm going to say it again. It's a miracle we're here. And it's a miracle how those major milestones have been placed aside and we've got through those hurdles. And it didn't happen because we were smart, wealthy, rich, or wise. It happened because God was with us. And if God is with us, nothing is impossible. You know, we're not in the business of dreaming small. We should dream big for the cause of God. There's a community in Laurel to be reached and around the world. And reaching hearts internationally means reaching here first and reaching there too. Because nothing is impossible to God. Sometimes our hearts faint with fear and foreboding because we are afraid of heaven's message and heaven's will in our lives. I've been afraid at times. I've struggled with fear. Have you? Has anyone here ever struggled with fear? I've struggled with fear. 
But I tell you today, based on God's word, there's no reason to struggle with fear. Heaven's science is different than ours. God can make outcomes happen when science says it's impossible. When we can't do it, God's spirit can and will do it. When we can't explain it, God's spirit is the explanation. When we can't legitimize it, God's spirit is the reason and the right to go ahead. Gives us moral authority, friend. The angel said, God will be his father and you, Mary, will be his mother is implied. By the way, your relative Elizabeth is already pregnant. A little evidence here, Mary, for you. She's old, and that's obviously a miracle, but only one miracle is more difficult than that miracle. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, they were old. They had a child like Elizabeth. And Zechariah had John, you know, kind of like that. But Mary, the miracle that God is going to perform in your life is beyond Abraham. Because a child will be born in you, With no human father, God will be his father. And we will break the rules of science and biology to make it so because God's love for the human race is greater than what the thinkers of the world can put up with. God will do it for you. Quite a trip to lay on a 14-year-old girl from Nazareth, but the journey is a faith journey. Friend, how many times in life have we failed to understand that God's will doesn't always make sense? You hear me? It doesn't always make sense. How many times have we failed to perceive that there is comedy in the divine will? God likes having a good laugh at the end of a miracle. What did they name Isaac? They called him laughter because he came after. You know, as Michael Card said, impossible promise come true. I mean, God likes laughing after he pulls off something great in our lives. God delights in turning reason on its head. He laughs when we succeed in a hilarious kind of way when we shouldn't at all if reason had its way in our life. Magnificent Mary with God, nothing is impossible for you. That's what the angel is saying. The moment of truth has come for Mary. What will Mary do? Will she believe? And you know, when God comes to us in our life, the moment of truth is the same. What will we do? Will we believe? Will she accept a life of shame for a miracle that she can't understand or explain? Will she turn her back on God? And choose a normal kind of family and forsake the family of God? Will she put it all on the table for an impossible kind of miracle? To see her womb become a supernatural place where biology changes, where a new age invades the old, and where the hope of resurrection is here demonstrated by the life within her. Luke 1.38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We live in a great controversy where cosmic families are looking down to see how it's all mapped out. Every television set in the universe was turned in that day, I believe, to a little room in Nazareth. And there, worlds afar were observing what a little girl was doing. It was heaven's soap opera, but it wasn't a soap opera. It was live, real-action TV on extraterrestrial communications network. And the ratings went through the roof that day. Unfallen beings from other worlds saw a little teenage girl from the ghetto receive the ultimate proposal from God. It didn't make any sense to Mary at first. It didn't have to. Mary didn't have some complicated answer for the angel. In the culture of her day, servant girls obeyed their masters. So it was her choice to make. Would he be her master or not? But if he was her master, if God was her master, then a servant girl would obey. Free women have no compunction to obey. But Mary didn't want to be free from God's will, do you? She didn't want to be free from God's will. She didn't want to live her own life on her own way, in her own terms. 
God was the only master she ever wanted in life. And Mary was not ashamed to be called the handmaid of the Lord. You know, some people say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't like having to work in the church. You know, we do these cleaning crews, comes out every week. Raise your hand. You come out. I know my wife does. I do. Hands. It's hard work to clean the toilets and everything else for church members. So we have a nice looking church. But you know, it's okay if God is our master to serve him, isn't it? That we do the work that God has asked us. If you don't have a place of humble service in the church, it's because you have not yet fully surrendered to Christ. You should seek a place of humble service. And if God gives you a place of exalted service, it always follows that. Mary was willing to be a humble handmaid of the Lord. How many times in life do we aspire for greatness and God shows us that we must become a servant to become great? The title for Christ in the book of Isaiah is the servant. Behold, my servant shall prosper. How many times do we plan something big and God plans something small so we can experience the greatness of his love and the magnificence of his power? You know, a seed is humble. It creates the largest tree. And so God seeks the small to create the large. Magnificent Mary, truly content to simply be a handmaid for the Lord. What did Mary do that was great that day? She did four things. Number one, she took the time thoughtfully to consider God's impossible promise. She didn't just listen. She really thought about it. God is making this proposal to me. We should do the same. We should take our Bibles. We should thoughtfully consider what God's call is for our life. Number two, She entertained the impossible nature of that proposal in her imagination. She thought about what it might mean, and so she got a little scared. So she wrapped it around in her imagination. Number three, she was not ashamed of the proposal. She recognized that it was an honorable offer being given to her. And number four, and this is the most important one, she believed that God can do anything with a ghetto girl from Nazareth. She believed that nothing is impossible for God. Do you believe with her today? I believe with her. Magnificent Mary, the model for every child of God, every woman of God, who wants God to do great things in their life. Mary journeyed to Jerusalem to visit Elizabeth. And she touched the side of a woman who was barren before. The child inside Elizabeth leaped for joy. The prophet was a prophet even in the womb. And Mary knew that God was in the thing. In Luke 1.46, we have the Magnificat of the Magnificent Mary, the statement of Mary that came out that is unparalleled. And all the prophets, Mary is more than the mother of Jesus. Mary is a prophet of God in the New Testament. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones." goes on to say, and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. She's a prophet. The little girl is a prophet. Proclaiming the future of God. Linking it to the past and all the prophets that have come before A ghetto girl from Nazareth? No, not in God's plan. Magnificent Mary. 
a princess in Israel, a prophet of God, the very one who would teach the wisdom of God to the wisest one of God. Magnificent Mary, a paragon of faith for every believer in every age. Magnificent Mary, a willing womb and a willing heart for a willing king in his journey to the tomb. Magnificent Mary, a living example that God can take any daughter of Adam who grows up in the worst kind of environment and make that precious little girl a Cinderella in heaven's eyes. Magnificent Mary is a promise that every daughter who believes in God is born to be someone special in the plan of God. Magnificent Mary. And somehow, the stepmother or mother of James, the mother of Joseph, the mother of Simon, the mother of Judas, but most of all, the mother of the little Lord Jesus, the Savior of us all. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful today that Mary is a paragon, a model of faith that isn't just out there, you know, not to mean anything, that what we can do in our lives is akin to this. We can believe. We can take the raw word of God and believe that Jesus is our Savior, that He is holy unto God. He was from birth to death, and that we can latch onto that fact as our substitute reality and be saved. And Lord, I'm thankful that Jesus has come to us through one who had faith. May we have faith in sharing with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.